We are continuing our series in the Psalms, Summer in the Psalms, so if you will turn with me to Psalm 37. Uh, this is such an excellent psalm. It's been ministering to my heart in a fresh way this week, and I wish we could go through the entire psalm, but we are not going to be able to go through the entire psalm. Um, but a little background on this psalm before we jump in. Psalm 37 was written by King David when he was an old man. We know that he was an old man because in verse 25, David writes, I have been young and now am old. So Psalm 37 presents the wise perspective of a man who has walked with God for many years and has seen with his own eyes where righteousness leads and where wickedness leads. So let's begin reading the first 11 verses and then pray and ask God's blessing on this time in his word. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more, though you look carefully at his place. He will not be there, but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Father, we pray your blessing upon this time in your word. We pray that, Lord, you will speak to us and you will encourage us and you will build us up through this important time in this beautiful psalm. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 37 opens up with the words, fret not yourself. Don't fret. The Hebrew word for fret is a difficult one to translate into the English. There is no English word that completely encapsulates what the word fret means. It, it, the root of it, the verb, means to burn or to kindle or to be kindled. When I hear the word fret, uh, I think of worry. Maybe you do as well. I think that's how we often use the word today, to fret. And certainly fret does include the meaning or the, the idea of worrying but fretting can also take the shape of anger, envy, resentment. To fret is to get worked up, vexed, to run hot about something. For some reason this week, my computer, this laptop right here, has been running hot. And the fan is going it's not right now, but it's going so much of the time, and I've tried clearing, and I don't know exactly what the problem is, but I suspect there's some processes that are running too much or taking up too much memory, and for that reason, it's running 
hot. Well, that's, that's kind of what fretting does to us. You know what it's like. Your mind and your emotions are running hot. You know what that's like, right? Your thoughts are, are, are hot. We might say feverish, you know. We're lying awake at night fretting over something. Our hearts race. We toss and turn. During the day, it's what we think about. It's all we can think about. We are fretting. Our mental and emotional ram is used up fretting over these things, and it steals our peace. Fretting wears away at us. It drains us. It wears away and tears away at our soul because our souls weren't designed to fret. Verse 8 warns us that fretting tends towards evil. Fretting bends our hearts towards evil. Fretting doesn't take us to a good place. Proverbs 14.10 says, Each heart knows its own bitterness. I want to suggest to you that each heart knows its own fretting as well. What makes you fret is different than what may make me fret. But we all, at times, are tempted, as David was, to fret. You know what caused young David to fret? You know where he had to struggle? People. Evil people. From the moment that God singled David out as king, there were, the knives were out. There were people, evil people, who conspired against him. They whispered rumor campaigns against him. They plotted his downfall. They rejoiced when something went bad in his life and some plotted to kill him. For David, evil people designing and desiring to do evil was where he felt tempted to fret. Every heart knows its own fretting. Now we live and we look at the world. Before the service, a few of us were praying and praying for this world and it's, it's full of of brokenness it's full of injustice and that can make our hearts fret we look at what's going wrong and it can it can cause our hearts to churn if you read the news and it can make your heart churn you know what i'm talking about maybe for somebody it makes you worry inflation is going up how are we going to pay the bills for another person it makes you angry I can't believe that happened. I can't believe this person got away with this. There is so much. And you know what? It's not just brokenness. It's evil. David contrasts evil with righteousness over and over again, toggling back and forth like a proverb. We live in a world that's broken by sin, but it's also full of evil. Amen? There is so much evil that's going on. And it certainly can make our hearts fret. Ironically, while I was working on this message, each heart has its own fretting. As I'm working on this message, a thought lodged in my head that made me start to fret. It's like out of the blue. It just kind of lodged in my head, and I started to fret. And here I am writing trust in the Lord, and I felt my faith begin to just drain. Fretting. You know when you fret, faith 
drain out weariness and take a hold of the soul and you just feel tired each heart knows its own fret what makes you fret what makes you fret what keeps you up at night what has your ram going during the day running hot One other thing that David wants to make clear is fretting can start to make us question God because there are people who do evil and not only get away with it, they get ahead by it in life. They prosper. That person at work lies, cheats, maybe steals your idea or somebody else's idea and they get promoted. Somebody does evil Somebody exploits somebody, somebody abuses somebody, somebody corrupts something, and they get rich. And they stay healthy. And they're buying Mercedes Benzes and big homes and second and third homes. And they're well known and well respected. And all of this, and years go by. And we think, what's the point in doing right when they are doing wrong and prospering? David says, don't envy them. Don't wish yourself in their place. Old David sees what sometimes we may not see when we're younger. And that is... Their, their success and prosperity is short, <coughs> short-lived. <clears throat> Here's a few verses from Psalm 37 that he writes. Verse 2, for they, that is the evil, who prosper, they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. <clears throat> In verse 10, he writes, in just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. Verse 12 and 13, the wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. David knew that well. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. And verse 20, but the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish. Like smoke, they vanish away. <clears throat> Don't envy the wicked. No matter how far ahead they get, it's a short-lived thing. Fretting centers our soul on something other than God. If you are fretting, when I struggled with fretting, I am centering my thoughts on something other than God. I am trying to find peace in some other way than through God. And David, with the wisdom of old age and the heart of a shepherd, points us, guides us towards God and urges us to make God the center of our life and the center of our peace. We're not going to go through the whole psalm. I encourage you to read through it on your own because it's a powerfully and beautiful psalm. But let's look at four ways that David centers our souls on God instead of on fretting. <clears throat> the first way is found in verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Center your confidence in God. Center your confidence in God. Be confident in God. 
Whatever is going on in your life, trust in the Lord, for he is worthy of your trust. He will never fail you. He will never leave you. Don't fret. Have faith. Trust in God. And what does that look like? Well, I love how David couples that with and do good. And do good. See, I think sometimes we think of trusting God as this passive thing that's going on in the background, kind of like a process. I'm not a real computer geek, but I'm going to really you know, work this computer illustration all I can. A process running in the background that we don't even know is going on, but it's going on back there, and, uh, and it's doing whatever it's doing. And I think sometimes we can think of trusting God like that. It's a program. Yeah, I'm trusting God. I am, I am actively living my life and doing what I need to do and, and worrying about this and angry about that. But somewhere in the background, yeah, I'm trusting God. That's not what David sees trusting God is. He said, trust in the Lord and do good. It's an active energy that moves us forward, in, that um, inspires us and energizes us to do good. Fretting centers our thoughts on the problem. Trusting God centers our thoughts on the solution. Do good. Make a difference. Don't curse the darkness. Light a candle. I believe in the day we live in. <clears throat> sorry, guys, I don't know what's going on with my voice here. I believe in the day we live in, we can get so caught up with problems that it's like what we look at. And I think a part of trusting God is to be caught up with just doing good, just doing what God has called us to do. Evil people try to get ahead in life by doing evil. They think They can make this life the best it can be by doing evil. David says, no, no, no. You get ahead by trusting God and doing what's right, doing good. Now, we know as Christians that our goodness is quite limited, that we could never earn God's acceptance. We could never earn heaven by doing good. David knew that too. David knew that too. David isn't saying to us, do good so you can be good enough for God to accept you. Do good so you can be a good person rather than an evil person so God will accept you. David isn't saying that. David is not saying that. David, of all people, knew what it was. And if you read his Psalms, You'll read about a man who's constantly leaning upon the Lord, trusting in God, calling upon his mercy, calling upon his grace, calling upon his forgiveness. David's not looking out there and saying, those people are evil. I am good. You see, here's something old David knows as he writes from the vantage point of old age. He's done evil. That whole thing with Bathsheba and Uriah, which we'll talk more about when we come to Psalm 51. God said, the Bible says it was evil what he did in the eyes of the Lord. Not just not good. David didn't just mess up. He did evil. But he repented. 
And he said, God, would you cleanse me and I will be clean. I love that psalm. We're going to come to it starting, I think, next week. Brothers and sisters, we're not good people, and we're here in church, and boy, we're just good and better than all those people, and you know. No, you know what? We are sinners saved by grace. Amen? Our hearts are evil, deceitfully wicked, and who can know them? But when we come to Jesus Christ, and when we come to the foot of the cross, and we look at him dying on that cross, the perfect son of God, for our sin, and we see the precious blood poured out for us, that is, that is what cleanses us from evil. And then Jesus clothes us with his righteousness. So we stand before God 100% in the righteousness of Christ, and that's it. On that day when we stand on Judgment Day, it's only going to be Christ. Uh, don't add any of your good works to that day. Don't say, God, I trusted in Christ and I did a lot of good. No. I trusted in Christ is my only plea on that day. Not a single good work is going to be mentioned as far as my salvation, your salvation on that day. Trust in Christ, his righteousness, 100%. We are not saved by doing good works. But having laid that important foundation, we are saved in order to do good works. God does call us, fill us with this spirit, and call us to do good works in Jesus' name. And that's what David is saying. As forgiven, redeemed people who love the Lord and have righteousness not only imputed to us through Christ, but imparted to us on a daily basis, we are able and energized by the Holy Spirit to do some good in this world. And God calls us to do some good. He does. He calls us to do some good, to help the helpless, to, to give to the poor to set free the hurting and the oppressed, to defend the defenseless, to love people, including, Jesus says, our enemy. That's doing good. And that's what God calls us to do. In this couplet, David says, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Now, for them, the land was a picture of God's blessing and provision for them God has land for us. He has land for you. He has a place for you, a, a land in this world for you, your influence, your people, where God has placed you, how God has blessed you, the people that you influence. And David's saying, befriend faithfulness. Be faithful there. Be faithful. Be a man, be a woman of your word. Do what you say you're going to do. Be honest. Walk in integrity. Befriend faithfulness. You see faithfulness, you say, I, you're my friend. I want to be faithful. Befriend faithfulness. David says, don't center your confidence on fretting. Center your confidence in God. Trust in the Lord and do good. Secondly, he says, delight yourself in the Lord. This is centering our affections on God. Centering our affections on God. If there's anything that the ebb and flow of this world wants to push us away from, if there's anything Satan wants to push us away from, it's centering our affections on God. Or, put more simply, loving God. Loving God. And so, all 
that's the stream and tide of this world tries to get us to think that God is not important. Everything else is important. My next meal is important. My job is important. My family is important. My health is important. And those things are important. Then it tries to move us into making a lot of money is important. Having a, 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 you know, a power is important. All these things. Um, pleasure is important. Sex is important. All these things. But you know what? Deep in our hearts, none of those things are enough to delight us and satisfy us. We weren't created. You were not created to find your life in money or power or pleasure or sex or fame or approval or any of those things. You were created to know God and love him and delight in him. And he is the only thing big enough, and he's not a thing, he's the only person big enough to absolutely enrapture our hearts and delight our souls for eternity. If somebody were to give you the entire world right now, you have the entire world, you can buy everything you want, you can, every door is going to be open to you, you have every single thing you could possibly want, it would thrill your soul for about a year, maybe, maybe only six months. And then you know what? You'd be empty, you'd be bored, you'd be like, what is life about? Something would haunt your soul. What is life about? Because it's not about those things. It's about God. God is infinitely beautiful. And so our hearts, even though everything bends us to think it's weird to love God, normal to love this thing and that thing, but it's weird to love God, but actually... Deep in our souls, he is the one our souls long for. We all long to be loved and to love. We all long to belong. We all long for a home. And all of that, that deepest longing, can only be found in God. Augustine said, my heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. David encouraged us to stir that up. Stir up delighting in the Lord, delighting in his ways, in his love, his wisdom. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, that may feel like a blank check, you know. Man, if I can delight myself in God, he's going to give me whatever I want. But if we delight ourselves in the Lord, then what we want aligns with what God wants. When our affections are centered completely on this world, and I mean anything in this world, if your affections are centered on this world, you will fret, and you actually should fret, because it's going down. It's temporary. It's not going to last. But when our, our affections are centered on God, we have peace, because that which we love the most is valuable beyond all words, eternal and as Randy Alcorn says when our treasure is in heaven we're always moving towards our treasure not away from our treasure delight yourself in the Lord third thing he says in verse 5 is commit your way to the Lord this centers our will in God's will committing our way to the Lord means obeying God it means it means seeking to align our way with God's way 
our will with God's will. Commit your way to the Lord means commit your life, your decisions, your choices, your actions to the Lord. Commit your life to the Lord. What you're doing, commit it to the Lord. Follow the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. And listen, this does not paralyze us from decisions. We don't have to be paralyzed like I can't do anything until I know God's will. No, I mean, commit your way. We all have ways. You have a way. Commit it to the Lord. Commit your decisions to the Lord. Then make those decisions. Commit your choices to the Lord. Then make those choices. Live your life. Do what you're going to do. Do something, but commit it to the Lord. If the Lord convicts you it's not his will, reverse direction, change direction. But until then, don't be paralyzed like I can't do anything until I know the Lord's way. He doesn't say commit the Lord's way. to. He says commit your way to the Lord. And he will direct your paths, Proverbs chapter 3. You have a way. Commit your marriage to the Lord. Commit your parenting to the Lord. Commit your relationships to the Lord. Commit your job. Whatever is in your life, commit it to the Lord. I want your way, God. I want my way to be your way. See, if I was going to go out and rob a bank after church, I could not commit that to the Lord, could I? Like, our souls know, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and do evil, and I'm going to commit that to the Lord, unless our souls are totally hardened. We know that. So when we say I'm committing my way to the Lord, we're aligning our hearts in a posture of obedience. I want to obey God. I may not get it right, but I want to obey God. And as I go, I'll trust him to redirect me if I'm going in the wrong direction. And then believe that, man. It's, it's so great. He, you know, Paul, uh, David says that the end of the evildoer is darkness. He says for those who commit their way to the Lord, God promises it will bring us into a dawning of the light of his righteousness. His justice will rise upon us as we commit our way to the Lord. Good things come. Maybe not instantly, but good things come to those who commit their way to the Lord. Commit your way centers our will in God's will. Finally, he says, be still before the Lord in verse 7 and wait patiently for him. And this centers our souls on the Lord. This is hard for me to describe, and I feel like God's trying to teach me this, and I'm, I am probably in preschool at this point in time in this area. But be still. Last week I closed the message by encouraging you, take five, ten minutes every day if you can to get quiet, to be silent before the Lord. We live in a noisy world, and we often have noisy minds and hearts. Try to learn to take time to be quiet and still. And that's what David is saying. Be still before the Lord. Center your soul on the Lord. Not even on what the Lord's going to do or not do. On the Lord. Meditate on him. Experience his transcendent. Be still. Be still. 
Psalm 45 says, and, or 46, says, and know that I am God. Be still and let my transcendence seep into your consciousness. How great I am. Be still and know that I am God. Being still helps us experience God in a beautiful way. We are still in the name of Jesus Christ. We come before his throne in the, the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Wait on the Lord. And it says patiently wait on the Lord because often what God brings to us doesn't come right away. We are still before the Lord and uh, then there's time that passes. Wait patiently on the Lord. Let the time bring what God's going to do. I was, uh, this week I also had to replace a Wi-Fi card in my laptop, which is actually running quietly right now. It's this one. So I had to replace a laptop, a uh, Wi-Fi card inside it. And so to do that, I watched a YouTube so I could know, make sure I was doing it correctly. And uh, the guy that did this YouTube did a nice job with it. But what really caught me was that, you know, as he's, as he's pulling little prongs off and, and unplugging this and all these little things that need to be unplugged or adjusted or pulled out and all these things need to be, he would constantly say, be patient. As you do this, be patient. You don't want to do any damage. Be patient. So now I'm in there, and I'm seeing those same little prongs and little plugs and everything, and that word is rang in my heart. Be patient. And normally, I start out moving quickly, and then when things go wrong, which they often do when you move quickly, I move quicker. And before long, I'm throwing something and calling it stupid. And so having his voice in my head, be patient, help me be careful. Wait patiently for the Lord. When we make, kind of run out, maybe I think God's doing this, and we run out and we, you know, move fast, and we, we can make mistakes, we can do damage. Wait patiently on the Lord. Let's see what God does. David counterpoints point, points this with fretting. Be still, don't fret. Fretting leads to rushing, snap decisions, impatient movements. We can do damage. Be patient. Patience centers our souls. Being still before the Lord centers our souls on the Lord. And that's where peace and blessing is found. As we begin to um, close, David centers our soul on God centers our confidence in God by trusting in the Lord and doing good. He centers our affections on God by delighting ourselves in the Lord. He centers our will in God by encouraging us to commit our way to the Lord. And he centers our souls on God by our being still and waiting patiently for the Lord. Be encouraged. Draw near to the Lord. Take time to be quiet and read Psalm 37 if you get a chance. God bless you. Have a great week.